Hello and welcome to the Win Win Effect podcast with your host, Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximize potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enroll prospective students into the correct programs to achieve overall business success and fulfillment in life. You will get a rare centralized look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of informational material from companies just trying to sell products, but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value to make it worth your time. Hello again, this is Chris Ross. I wanted to welcome everybody to another episode of the Win Win Effect podcast and to take the time to say thank you to all the listeners out there that took the time out of their day to send in emails, messages, and comments where myself and West Bays discuss how to prepare and research to help identify gaps with your buyers to create urgency. A lot of the questions that were sent in from the listeners were pertaining to how to identify the gap and provide the value to fill the gap for your buyers. Before we begin today's episode, I'll address one in particular right now. For the most part, a lot of salespeople always go to the most scary part about the problem from their buyer without first finding the root of cause of the problem. For today's episode, I decided to invite Wes Bays back on to continue our conversation about how to future pace allowing the customer or the buyer to see things in your perspective. As a seller, it's important for you to understand that you're not selling a solution to their problem. You're selling a potential outcome for your buyer. Today, myself and West Bays will cover how to be able to make these transitions ethically. Also, before I forget, for those who listened to the whole episode, you discovered an unplanned release of a free on-demand accredited sales placement course to give away to all the listeners to tune in to our podcast. I may or may not have jumped the gun a little bit before providing enough clarity for my team members to handle so many requests coming through the door. Now that a cat's out the bag, allow me to give you an explanation. Our sales pre-placement course was created for those who listen to the podcast and is 100% free with no strings attached. All you have to do is find a link in the description box or visit the website TCR Consulting Agency to find out more. All right, without any further ado, let's bring on West Bays and let's kick this up a couple of notches. Happy Money Monday, everybody. Wes, welcome back, my friend. How's it going? Good, Chris. How you doing? Man, I'm good. Always good. I'm going to jump right into it. Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. As you know, Wes, we received a lot of emails and questions about gap analysis. 
a lot of the questions were pertaining to how we're able to paint the picture for the customer or buyer to see things the way that we see them as a seller. How do you normally go about working that out for the buyer? That that's really one of my number one outcomes that I'm trying to to accomplish. You know, the it's extremely important for your vision and the buyer's vision to be aligned. Right. And you know, this is where, you know, talking about pacing is important because, you know, we start with the outcome in mind. That's the first thing we're going to go, you know, when I'm first talking to a potential buyer, we're going to go to the ideal or overall outcome. And then we're going to start breaking it down into smaller outcomes that I'm going to future pace throughout that process. And so, you know, what that really looks like is that I'm always going to give them nuggets and pieces to look forward to throughout our sales process so that they always have an understanding of why they're doing something because it's easy to forget, right? It's easy to forget why you're doing something or why it's helpful, what it's going to accomplish for you. And so it's just a constant reminder and, a, and it's just an action plan piece by piece to get them to that overall outcome. Because a lot of people sometimes confuse persuasion with manipulation and it's, the lines get really blurred. I mean, you probably have heard this before from people when you're training sales. It's like, I don't want to manipulate people. You're not manipulating them. You're persuading them to see things through your lens. And you're pacing with them. And you want to kind of paint a picture so clear that they know all the moving parts. They know what potentially could go wrong. And this is a good opportunity for those who don't know how to do this. Potentially jump out in front of any potential objections, even with your own product and service. It's an amazing opportunity for you to go ahead and jump out in front of it. Because... Systems change, times change, right? Industries change. The problems in their businesses change. But the one thing it doesn't change is you. Your relationship with that buyer means more than the product and service. Well, it should be. Well, for myself, it does. I'm sure for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very important, one, that you and the buyer are in alignment with the, the overall outcome, right? Or what they're trying to achieve. Because they need to see you as the as the person who's here to help them first before any of this will work. So are you a salesperson or are you more of like their advisor or their consultant? Right? So what role do you want to play with that person? I personally always want to play the role of the advisor. You know, that's right. that's because that's kind of the, the background I came in, it came in through. And uh, that's really what I learned first. And that's what I'm comfortable in. And that's how I enjoy doing it, because it puts me and the buyer on the same side versus across from each other. And so now I'm just going to steer them because I understand and I have their best intention in mind. I'm going to steer them towards or steer them in the right direction, I should say. And I'm going to do that by constantly putting out those nuggets in front of them or always helping them understand why they're doing something and future pacing with them so that they're, they don't get lost, right? It's my job to make sure they're on track. And so I'm not going right. to manipulate them. I'm not, you know, what the reason why I'm persuading them is because I know that they're going towards the ideal outcome because that's my expertise. I'm good at what I do, right? And, or else I wouldn't be selling whatever it is I'm selling. And so I know it's the ideal outcome for them based off of my research and my analysis. And so now I need to keep them on track so that they don't get in their own way. But you mentioned something really important, them getting in their own way right at the end. And then you kind of sprinkled in a couple. And I hope the listeners are catching on to what you're really saying behind it. Would you say that you're really good with teaching them how to think in the future and maybe out their comfort zone when you're digging in and qualifying the buyer? Would you say that you're really good with that? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've I've worked on trying to master that piece 
because you mm-hmm. always need to put the, the future is always where where your buyer needs to sit while they're communicating with you because that's your job the day to day and the immediate things those are things that they have to do right but the future is where you need to keep them and because they can get lost with that with that piece they can forget about the future because they're lost in all the bullshit of what they're doing right now it's very very easy to do that i mean especially we know this being in business right it's very easy to become short-sighted when anything happens right when when an obstacle hits your way you know or if you've had a certain experience with something in the past and it's making you feel a certain way right that's what you're trying to avoid with that buyer is their past experiences or maybe their the immediate issues that they have um, you know, th- you're trying to help them avoid those things and keep an eye on the future because that's what's going to get them to take action. Your goal is to get them to constantly take action. And usually you're trying to get them to do something that's out of their comfort zone, right? If you're selling anything worthwhile, it's probably out of their, their comfort zone. And so your job is to make them change their comfort zone. And by doing you, the way you do that is by keeping them, by pacing them into the future. I believe the secret weapon of all sales may be future pacing. I'm sure everyone remembers the episode where me and you did on anchoring or framing. I believe it was a two-part episode. Framing is tied into that technique. It's future pacing. Future pacing involves with you getting in a mutual agreement with your prospective buyer in a way that says, I'm on your side. You can trust me. Look at things this way. Mr. or Mrs. Prospect, based on what you share with me, I know I can help you. Matter of fact, Wes, let's see if I can explain this for the listeners. This is where you as a seller is a huge opportunity for you to turn it up a couple notches. Improve your value. They will have to be able to feel you saying, I can help you. And if you don't, your moral obligation becomes compromised with that buyer. A key objective to this technique is where you're going to have to closely match the other person you're dealing with and the distinction between your thoughts and their thoughts become blurred, enabling you as a seller to lead them to see your point of view. If done properly and ethically, you will have the buyer in sync with you. And more than likely, your next request will be followed. Wes, what is your take on it? And by the way, thank you for letting me go on my rant. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, what's important for me with a buyer is that you know, I want to keep them, I want to keep them focused on their ideal scenario or their ideal outcome. So it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if they're a business owner, it doesn't matter if they're an individual person. It could be anybody, anybody that's you know comes across your way. My goal is what's important to you because I don't, for me, I need to look at, is there a way that I can actually help you? Is your vision and your goals aligned with something that I can actually offer you to be able to help you? So say it's a person, you know, and and it is that person that's looking to retire. You know, what, what would you like to be doing in five years? What would you not like to be doing in five years? You know, what's, if you had to paint a picture today, what would that look like? If you were going to wake up right now and this is something, this is your daily living in five years, your daily living Break down for me from the moment you wake up to the moment that you go to sleep. What does that look like? And how much does that matter mm. to you? Is that something that is a priority or is that just something that you would like to happen? You know, what's the alternative? Right. And I'm going to focus mm-hmm. on all of those things. And I'm constantly going to remind them of what that is, because ultimately, you know, th- they can forget about their vision. Right. And I, I don't mean to be a dead horse with that, but they can forget about their vision or where they're going. And so you need to be able to, to understand exactly what that looks like and then use certain language and certain justifications in, in what they told you. Right. So if, if my day to day means I'm waking up and I'm on a beach in Maui and what, you know, I'm going to eat a steak dinner every night, you know, whatever the hell it is, then what I'm going to say is now I'm talking to you about right now and, and what you need to do. 
So, hey, the reason why I need you to take an action, the reason why I need you to take action on X is because at some point that's going to fulfill your need to eat a steak dinner at, at six o'clock on a Tuesday when you're 65 years old, right? I'm going to use mm. little bits and pieces of what they're doing and why they're doing them to fill the void in the vision at 65 years old at that point, right? I hope that makes sense, right. but you're basically just, you're plugging in every gap and you're justifying every piece of action that they're going to take until they get to the buying point where now they're going to take action on everything that, that you want them to do because now it fulfills the entire vision and they can break it down into detail about how each step of that will achieve that outcome. Beautiful. And I hope the listeners are understanding this is that even if they're not a dreamer, you get some clients, they can dream, they can think about the future. Well, there are certain types of personalities and we all know too well of that focus more about how are they going to get there, the steps, you know, breaking down the numbers and not really going to think about what their life is going to look like. And by the way, if you're going to eat steak every day, I recommend doing cleanses at least once every two weeks. <laughs> but you better hope you make it to 65, right? I'm just letting you know, right. like <laughs> clogging those arteries will not get you to 65. Mm. You know, mapping out, you know, information for them is 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 difficult for some. And it, a lot of salespeople find this part complex. They'll take their current state, they'll map out this dream with an analytical buyer, and this future state, and they don't know how to plug in the gap. This is where the value lives, is that gap. And that value is what you plug into that gap is you. You don't a lot of people try to sell solutions. And and I know we talk a lot about, you know, well, I'll recommend a solution for you. I will sell an outcome. I want to sell you an outcome. Here's what's going to happen if you do the things I'm asking you to do. And of course, this is where ownership comes and takes play, right? So like, listen, buyer, based on the information you just shared with me, I believe that you could be the type of client I'm looking for short-term and long-term. Here's why, blah, blah, blah. But here's the things that jumping out to me that kind of scare me a little bit. And I don't really have a strong conviction that you'll actually achieve that outcome. You mentioned blah, blah, blah. Walk me through what is your plan of action to be able to tackle that type of objection. Do you see how I'm framing it? I don't need to know what you're going to do with the product and service. I want to know what are you going to do? This helps me identify more problems and how much more of the impact that I need to make with them with the root of cause. And then I'm going to tie in the emotion. Wherever they go to, they're going to say, Chris, I don't know if I'll be able to do this. Or if they're really excited and they're really certain about your idea. And you always have these clients, a little, especially when you're dealing with espresso buyers, they get really excited, right? Is that the conversation is going on longer than they probably would imagine it. And they're, they're really in tune with you and they're really in rapport, in a high level rapport and they're really excited. But when it goes to do the work, they're not going to follow through, are they? No, not usually. That makes it difficult. Hey. And that's why we, you know, that's one of the main reasons why I believe that, you know, we decided to build that the sales pre-placement course is for people that are listening to us on this podcast and we're like, I don't know what the hell to do. I don't know how to plug in the holes. I don't know how to fill the gap with a value. I don't know how to understand the psychology behind what these guys are talking about. Actually, in that course, I talk a lot about the different types of personalities and how to sell to each one. And you got to cultivate your approach to every single one. It's not a one size fit all solution. 
That's where you hear a lot of these salespeople, Wes, is that they'll have the same pitch over and over and over. And they wonder why they're only hitting <laughs> a certain number of sales. Right. And it's, you know, they're never going to reach that pinnacle level, in my opinion. How much would you believe, Wes, that psychology plays into sales? Psychology is everything in sales. I mean, the, that's, that is how understanding psychology is going to help you be able to get to that mastery level because what we're doing in sales is it's communication. It's communication is persuasion. And right. what you have to do is you have to tailor your communication and, and your process to how the other person is going to perceive it because it's not about you. It's about the other person. Now, there's key things that you have to hit with that person in order to get them to a buying decision. But how you do that is going to depend on the kind of person that you have. Right? And then I know we've been talking about this with an you know, expressive buyer or an analytical buyer. But ultimately, the person's looking for justification. And how they, they view justification mm. is uh, determined by their personality okay, and, and, how, and their experience. Right. So people tend to forget about that. They think mm -hmm. it's just because I have an analytical buyer that I just have to go through some numbers and it's going to justify. It doesn't work that way. And they wonder why they're not able to tie in emotion to it. It doesn't mean you can't tie in emotion with an analytical buyer. You just have to tie in the emotion to whatever you're anchoring. Right. Exactly. And it, it just it comes at in a different form. So people, you know, people think the analytical buyers, you know, they don't they don't have an emotional side, right? Like they're dead inside and they don't have an emotional side to them when, <laughs> when at the end of the day, they just, they, they look at things a bit differently. People, people, analytical buyers still justify things with a level of emotion. People just don't understand that, right? You're still going to break down numbers. You're still going to do all of that with them. But the way that you justify it through is still going to have a level of emotion to it. It's just going to come differently. So for me with an analytical buyer, I'm looking at their overall objective and outcome and then I'm going to work with them to be able to break down every piece that needs to happen to get to that outcome. Mm -hmm. And in their mind, they still have feelings. They're still feeling they're still feeling good about where they're headed. They're still, you know, that ideal outcome to them still gives them a good feeling inside. Right. But I'm justifying it with a lot more, a lot more from an analytical sense than just from, you know, the, the words that I'm saying or how I'm presenting it, things along those lines. But I'm still breaking it down. They still, their feelings come from the justification of logic, but also, and I don't mean to, to, to like screw up people's brains, but you know, logic, their, their perception of logic is also different, right? So what may be mm -hmm. logical to them through an analytical sense may not actually be logical at all, right? But to them, it makes them feel a certain way. And so you just have to be able to understand how that person is going to perceive what you're saying and ultimately how it's going to help them connect the dots that ultimately they're going to get the desire or the outcome that they're looking for. And that's why we future pace throughout the entire process. And we break down mm -hmm. each step to say, if you want these 10 ideal, you know, this 10, these 10 ideal outcomes, then you're going to have to, you're going to have to break it down, but in, in very specific way, but you're not the one doing it. You're working with them and having them build it with you. That's the key to it. And, and mm -hmm. the ownership piece that you mentioned before, Chris, is that they have to build that piece with you so that they can justify it and, and plant the seeds in their own head, right? And and connect it all within their their own mind because they're the ones putting it together. So so they have overall ownership of it. But you're constantly connecting back the future and the outcome to it so that they can stay on course and feel good about their overall buying decision. Well put. And what Wes is talking about with the buying decision, they will only come to the buying decision based off how well you future pace or pace with them or be in sync. 
Inexperienced salespeople rush this process, which leads to indecision from the buyer. What you'll end up doing is you'll end up dragging them through and they'll start giving you one word answers like yes, no, I agree, that does make sense type of bullshit. We can't have that. You need to have full agreement about what the steps are needed to take. One way to do this effectively is doing it by tie downs. And I don't mean tie downs by does that make sense? No, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect, does that outcome seem attainable? Then you pause, waiting for their answer. They say yes or no. Great. What part jumped out to you the most? And this, ladies and gentlemen, is how it's done on how to make a shift from a salesperson to a trusted advisor or sales professional. It's not done by force. It's done by you demonstrating through your value, which only increases a high level of rapport. And I'm not sure how many of you out there listening to this sells for a company and they have lead protection and whatnot. This is how I always would win the battle when I was selling for companies is that I'll have a lead come and work with me and I would get on the phone and have a couple conversations and I would develop such a high level of rapport, they would specifically ask for me when they would come in. And to be honest, it's kind of hard for a sales manager at that time to take that prospect away from me when they ask for me. That's the thing is, and one, one key thing that you mentioned, and this has happened to me before, is that you know I've taken a salesperson or a, a lead before of, of another salesperson and I've sold, like they, they literally, this is a conversation. Um, you know, this person wanted me to buy something for $3,000 and I just didn't feel comfortable with it. That was my initial contact with this person. By the end of it, this person was investing over 20 grand, right? Why? Because I actually took the time to do everything that we're talking about today and find out what is it that you're mm-hmm. looking for, right? And after, after they just told me they don't want to spend $3,000, right? And so that it just goes to tell you that people will do whatever you know, you want them to do if they understand that you are on their side and they understand what's in it for them, but not just what's in it for them, but they can actually picture it in their own mind vividly that the more clarity you can give someone and the more vividly they can picture that outcome in their mind, the more realistic it becomes, the more tangible it starts to feel. And that's why we future pace because we need it. We need to keep connecting those dots until it feels like there is no other option. There is no other outcome. They have to achieve that exact desired outcome, right? Or or they're not going to be happy. They're not going to feel good about where they are. Persuasion, and a lot of people have talked about this before, is that there's a very thin line between persuasion and manipulation. And those who are able to actually communicate with your prospective buyers in a way where you're trying to focus on a win-win and going one step further and addressing any kind of perceived weaknesses in your own product and service and being upfront with it, man, I'll tell you what, it, with the mixing in with the right personalities, you can do extremely well in sales, extremely well, but you have to do it ethically. And that's why I think we've been around for so long, Wes. And the reason why we've seen the success we have is that we do it ethically. Right. And then, and that's, that's the key word right there is ethical. I mean, if you're not going to do something ethically, then you shouldn't really be doing anything at all. And, you know, that's the one thing I wanted to, to mention, too, as well, from from what you're saying, Chris, is uh, people always ask me, well, what's the difference between selling a thousand dollar product and a hundred thousand dollar product? And mm. the, the funny thing is that it's, it's absolutely nothing. Right? There's absolutely right. nothing. The only the only different difference is how much like what you're presenting and what you're going through. But the psychological piece is all the same. When someone is bought into you, they're bought they're bought into you. Right. And there's no price tag on it. 
you they they will do whatever you want them to do because they want to get to a higher outcome or they want to get to the outcome that they want that's why it's so powerful that's why it's easy for people to go bad and start manipulating people is because it because it is really that that powerful i've seen you know sales gurus and sales trainers who you know unethically sell things for 30 40 50k you know and people just come out of it with you know broke and not really you know learning anything because of the sales tactics that they use in their understanding of this and so ethical right. being ethical is extremely extremely important and really it's the one thing that's going to keep you alive you know you, and and you know you can make a lot more money being unethical in the short term but you're going to make a lot less money being unethical in the long term and people really need to understand that piece. Right. I just don't want it around me. I don't I don't want to be around stuff like that. I don't want to be associating the same breath. You know? So it's and that's why you and I have gotten as close as we have over the years, is that we have the same type of core values and very similar parallels. And a, and also in the same mythology is that when you combine a understanding of psychology of persuasion and personality styles, sales success is inevitable. It's gonna happen. I mean, it will come more quickly, quickly and more often than you probably would ever imagine. Pre-placement course that we're giving away, I mean, covers you know basic psychology concepts that make it easier for potential customers to say yes to you. But it, you have to understand that the different personality types, if you try to do this in a way, in a form of manipulation, you can get called out pretty quickly. I, t- I talk a lot, I speak a lot of this to companies is that if it has to be that difficult for you to understand or be able to execute, then it's not aligned in with your purpose. Stop. Just don't be in sales. If you're not good in sales, go work in customer service. Shit, you can still talk to people. It's all about finding your own path and tapping into your true potential. Sales comes easier for me because I enjoy it. Right. I mean, no one wants to do things they suck at, Wes. Right. I mean... Or are they crazy? <laughs> oh, exactly. And you know, for me, it's what why I love sales is because I love I love truly helping people. Like one thing that, and I know that you're the same way, Chris. One thing that I get fulfillment from is seeing someone else get what they're looking for. I get actually a lot more fulfillment from that than than getting you know getting something of of my own or something that I want because those feelings are temporary. Uh, but seeing someone succeed or seeing someone who's doing well or prospering with whatever it is that advice you gave them or anything that you know that they purchase from you potentially or whatever it may be. It's really, it's really a great thing. And that's what drives me and why I love to do because I don't look at it as sales. I just look at it as, you know, people helping people. And that's, that's all you, if if you, if that's your focus and that's really your main outcome is to help that person, you're going to come across that way. And, and honestly, if you, you truly take on that type of a personality and you have that type of a personality, you'll naturally ask the questions that you need to ask to get the information that you need to be able to, to give them the right uh, recommendation. Right? You're not going to, because you're going to always hone your craft and you're going to get better at what you do. But psychologically, the way that you're going to come across is going to be much more authentic and they're going to feel like you're actually more on their side. Of course, there's certain techniques and things that you want to do to ensure that you're communicating properly, but your intention right. is everything, right? And just going back to being ethical, your intention is everything. And as long as it's in the right place, you're going to you're going to get as long as you're willing to work hard you're going to get to a place where it's it's going to get a lot easier and you're going to get to a point where you're mastering your craft a lot more to go with what you're saying and help the listeners kind of lead them to achieving that type of outcome and that type of fulfillment within themselves as they're helping people 
is just to learn how to treat people in ways that communicate respect and tailor your delivery to their unique personality style. And ultimately, you'll close more sales and you'll have a good time while you're doing it. Your success in sales is based off of how well you're able to understand people, your emotional intelligence right. and, and EQ is everything. And, and being able to truly understand what that, what that person is going to need to feel, like, to feel like they're going to get the best possible outcome. Because, you know, saying yes, and, and, and I don't want to, you know, obviously, I don't want to be too long-winded here, but saying yes to you, you can get people to say that by how they feel. Right. How they feel is, is where, the, the, where it truly is, right? Because if someone says yes to me, but they don't feel good, I'd rather them say no, right? And, and even people that have said yes to me in the past, and I might sound crazy for saying this, it could be 30 grand. This has happened before. It's thirty grand, and the person said yes to me, but I didn't quite feel like they were where they're supposed to be yet in in their mindset. I said no. That's where your moral obligation comes in. Right. It's about you making the right judgment call. And what do you believe? What is your core value? What are you doing this for? Price that people invest to get them to where they want to go. It's about the journey. We know this. It's believing in abundance. Is that product or service going to be able to help them short-term or long-term or both? So that's where the win-win comes in. When you understand how to persuade people, you'll be much more effective when it comes to sales. Yes. But if you're doing it ethically, but that's what ethical persuasion is all about. Why is it so important for salespeople to not just convince them someone to do something? When someone says yes to me, I say, what led you to saying that? Why did you say yes to me with so much conviction? You don't even know what you're going to be doing. I'm holding them accountable on how they make decisions. I want, to, I want to help them make better decisions in life. That's how I look at some people that when, they, when I give them a call. My role here is not to sell you a product. My role here is to help you make better decisions. It's based off my discovery with you, Wes. Seems that you made some really poor decisions. I'm going to teach you why you made those poor decisions and what you can do moving forward. Does that make sense? See how I tied it in? That's the thing. Persuasion persuasion is everything. And, and that's where yeah, I'm glad we got into the ethical conversation. Because you know, one thing that really changed, the, changed it for me was when I was in financial services. And you know, the one thing that's easy to do is take advantage of someone who's in a, a, a certain emotional state, right? Who's usually in a heightened emotional state, you know, where maybe that's they're sad or even angry or anything along those lines. And you know, one one type of person that I've had an opportunity to work with a lot were uh, widowers, uh, you know, women that had lost their husbands, and they're typically retired, and you know, they typically came with a lot of money. They had a, a lot of a lot of money, and honestly, if I wanted to be unethical, I could have been. I, I could have made a lot of money. I could have put them into things that they didn't need. I my role and my vision was I imagined myself as if I was, you know, if I was their husband's brother or their husband's best friend. Right. And I knew this was, you know, this, all of this just happened. What would I do in that scenario? How would I actually help this person? And I treated it as such. And that's how I went about it because honestly, we can, you know, taking advantage of people is, is all short term. It's going to, it's going to lead to, to you eventually failing because you're growing, you or yourself are starting to grow a certain personality to where it's going to lead to something detrimental. So it's going to lead to your failure. 
And so always have the best. If I can just have anything come through to the listeners on this call, it would be always have the best intention in mind and aim to serve. The more that you aim to serve and get on that person's side, the more success that you're going to have. And that's why, again, going back to what we said originally was you future pace and you pace with that person and keep their vision in mind because you owe it to that person to do so. Because until they had met you, they weren't able to make the kind of decision that you're about to get them to make that's potentially going to change their life forever. I hope everyone received a lot of value from today's episode from myself and Wes Bays. We'll be back next week on Money Monday. For further information, listen to the outro, and we'll see you next week. So as always, ask yourself, how can you get a little bit better each day? That 1%. Keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. Let's go with our day. Take care. Thank you for taking your time and listening to today's podcast of The Win-Win Effect. As a thank you for listening and tuning in, Chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success. In success, it's all about living a better quality of life. So at the very least, subscribe to the Win-Win Effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it. Also, please rate and review the podcast. To find the free webinar and more information, please visit tcrconsultingagency.com. Thank you.